Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. We're here at the start of another week. And Frank, I haven't spoke to you for a few days. It was it was a busy week last week, and uh, we didn't get a chance to catch up after we did our comparison, I guess you could say, between the 2001 Bucks and the 2020 Bucks. But uh, we had a bunch of fun last week. I, I, I don't know how much of, of those episodes you got to go back and, and listen to and, and try and catch up with. But uh, as we said last week, as a guy that was watching these games certainly more than I was, uh, what, did you, what did you take away from all that? Yeah, I mean, so I, and I finally caught up on all the, the pods this weekend as I was doing kind of like, you know, yard work and um, running, getting, I got up today and, and had to run some errands. Um, and uh, I thought you get, well, you did an awesome job, which I'm not shocked by because, uh, you know, I've been uh, enjoying whenever I kind of disappear for a few days um, because I run out of things to say or I've got random <laughs> stuff going on. Um, you always find much more interesting people than me to talk to. So it, I hope everybody, <laughs> I hope everybody who's listening uh, is enjoying it as much as I am. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was really fun getting kind of the different perspectives. Um, I thought, you know, Michael Hunt, who, you know, like many of us who grew up on the team, you know, I, I always thought of Michael as more of a, you know, kind of his later columnist days. Um, and so I didn't even realize that, that he was the beat writer during that season. And again, I was in college at that point. So, I mean, I wasn't reading a, a newspaper at that point. That was, um, you know, kind of probably during the period where I was, you know, during college, it's probably the, the least I saw regularly of the Bucks, just because in college we, we we couldn't get cable on campus, and you know, of course, there was no you know streaming <laughs> that you could watch because yeah. I'm old, and this was '99 to <laughs> 2003. Um, so that that's sort of a funny period because I was really just basically following uh, like ESPN GameCasts. I remember back then, and then uh, coming home during the holidays and watching games that way, or you know, very occasionally, then there'd be a national TV game. I could, I could go down to like our common room. There was uh, ESPN there um, and TNT. So um, I do, I remember watching certain things um, down there. I can vividly remember watching the uh, 2000 dunk contest, like by myself on a Saturday night in the common room down in, uh, in my dorm because you know, everybody else was doing more fun things. And I wanted to watch Vince Carter in the dunk contest. But um, so it was, it was definitely kind of a fun trip down memory lane hearing, kind of different memories. Um, and I thought, I'm very glad you had Justin on for that, uh, that second kind of, you know, re, you know, recap day. I know we had talked about whether I wanted to, to sit on that. And I just said, I, I'm kind of tapped out. I haven't had a chance to rewatch games. So I thought Justin was far, far better guest. And I thought it was funny too, because, you know, I think Justin said he was a freshman in college during that series, during the 2001 playoffs, I was a sophomore. So we're pretty much from the same age range. And it was funny hearing Justin say that he was also a, a big dog guy because I was also hmm. a big dog guy. And I haven't had a chance to talk to, to Justin about sort of the origin of why, what his what his sort of origin story is, why he was more of a big dog guy than a Ray Allen fan. I, I know for me it was 
Um, I just remember the 94 lottery. And I just really remember sitting in my room, or sitting in our living room in my house, watching the ping pong balls, finding out the Bucks got the first pick. I remember my dad was in the yard doing yard work. And I remember running out onto our porch yelling, we got big dog to my dad, right? Because it was everybody, you know, this was the big dog lottery, you know, as much as obviously now looking back, Grant Hill, Jason Kidd, obviously were, I'd say more talented, you know, at their peak, but certainly better NBA players than, than Glenn Robinson was. Um, you know, he was the, he was the catch. I mean, the, what he did in college, I mean, he was a 30 and 10 guy in the big 10, like just unbelievable his scoring and, and just his offensive talent and what he was able to do. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's funny. It, 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 he was just sort of the guy, I think, you know, I'm sure a lot of people in my age range, I was 13 when the draft, when that draft happened, I guess. Um, you know, a lot of people in that age range, age range, you know, he was sort of the guy who was supposed to be our, our superstar and obviously didn't, didn't really work out that way. So it was, it was kind of funny hearing, you know, Justin, because I think he probably had sort of a similar, similar experience to me. And, um, you know, you wonder how I have, a, uh, how I am able to watch so many TV shows and movies, Kane, you and, and Eric have both, you know, kind of pondered that given I have a kid and, you know, obviously a job and everything. And um, I was kind of thinking about it. I think a lot of it's because, well, A, I've, I've not watched any, like, old games. <laughs> like, I've not rewatched, like, anything. Um, I, I tried to watch, actually, because with DirecTV, I have um, Fox Sports Wisconsin. That's how I watch um, Bucks games because I have League Pass, so they let me watch it. But some of those games have been blacked out for me when I've randomly tried to put it on, which is very weird because I thought they were kind of like giving everybody the ability to watch it and they're really old mm-hmm. games. But so anyway, I've been, I haven't put in the effort to try to rewatch really old games. And um, I don't know, I'm definitely more of a, you know, kind of here and now type type person anyway. Rewatching games with passes is never never been of, of that great interest. So, um, yes, long story short, I'm very glad you had Justin on. I thought it was really fun. Re-listen because you guys certainly have now better recollections having rewatched a number of those games than, than I do, which is, again, it's kind of strange because I wasn't, it's not like I was like eight years old or something when those games happened. Like, you know, I wasn't like a little kid. I was, you know, 20 years old or whatever I was at that point. So, um, so that's, that's been kind of fun, you know, as part of this, this 2001 kind of week that we had last week. Uh, but then I think obviously probably what I think most people probably found most interesting um, was the George Carl interview. And, um, you know, I think we were, we were talking about it. First off, I, I mean, George Carl never been, I think say bashful of giving his opinion, which makes him a very good podcast guest because he's pretty forthright and candid about a lot of things. And then obviously I think, you know, there'll always be certain things that people are going to hold back, obviously uh, and details they might hold back, but I thought, you know, he obviously didn't kind of hold back as far as some of his frustrations with some of the things, you know, it's like the Ray Allen relationship. Um, but also, you know, took, took some blame on, on mistakes that were made and, you know, Trey or the, the Anthony Mason thing that obviously was a big theme. Um, so it, it was, it was a really interesting thing. And I thought the, the thing you talked about overachieving was interesting because obviously, yes, to extent, I mean, obviously every coach is probably maybe a little biased to think that, you know, their teams overachieve because typically then that makes coaches look better. But um, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Right. And I think, and the fact that that team was not great either before or after probably speaks to the fact that yes, that was an overachieving team. And, you know, I think given the fact that the Bucks had so little success after all that is probably why, you know, maybe we think of it as being better than it was. 
Um, but I mean, and I think I've said this on this podcast, like I never really thought that team could win a championship. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, and again, this is before maybe I was as jaded a Bucks fan as I am now um, <laughs> because I didn't go through everything that came after it. But um, I don't know. Like, I didn't think that team was going to beat the Lakers in, in the finals or anything like that, even if they, they had won those two games in the regular season against them. And um, I don't know. I mean, they obviously had the offensive talent, but they were, you know, I think 20th ranked defense that year. Um, you know, they were clearly a flawed team. I know, I think Jim Paschke kind of spoke to that last week too. And by the way, um, you know, I think people have heard me say this before, but, but a big shout out to Jim. Uh, when you think about me and my quote unquote career covering the Bucks, um, I mean, Jim was the first person from really the Bucks media world that I really talked to and was aware of what I was doing. And um, he was a, a definitely like a great help just being open to talking to me. And he did some interviews early in the Brew Hoop days. So shout out to Jim. He's obviously been, um, you know, a, I talk about connections, right. Between teams, right. Jim has been like the, the kind of common thread between like 30 years of Bucks basketball at this point. Right. Um, so shout out to Jim. Uh, enjoyed him, him on the pod too. He obviously has even more memory. He's got probably as many memories as anybody of all these teams, right. Just going back to, to for how far he does, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's just funny kind of hearing different lenses through which people view all these teams and, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's interesting, but I, I do think there was definitely something to the overachieving. Although, you know, one thing that I thought, you know, if you had more time would have been interesting, you know, I think the way that it's often characterized now is, is well, you know, Anthony Mason came in and then the wheels came off, but I mean, that next year they started 26 and 13 after an eight game winning streak kind of midway through that season. And we're kind of cruising along looking really good. And then, you know, they finished what 15 and 28 <laughs> and get <laughs> blown out in the last game as, um, as, as Carl referenced, uh, on the pod. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a crazy kind of thing to look at just qu- how quickly, you know, it was, it was, uh, uh, you know, we always talk about, it's funny, you know, people talk about meteoric rises, which is interesting because meteors don't really rise. They just <laughs> tend to fall. Um, but you know, if you want to say meteoric, it was both a rise and fall, uh, for that, for that Bucks team, the, the rise and the fall were, were both felt very fast and, you know, in a season now that has been disrupted and we don't know what will become of it. I think we've talked about appreciating kind of the process of, of these seasons and trying to appreciate them as they happen and not falling into the trap of saying, well, who cares about the regular season? It's only about the playoffs. Um, you know, <laughs> we're Bucks fans. Most teams don't win championships, right? <laughs> like if you're going to get enjoyment out of watching NBA basketball, you're, you're going to have to try, try to find more than just, <laughs> you know, a title to take enjoyment from. And hopefully this season, Bucks still have a chance to, to get that, that bigger title. But um, I think all of this and and also working back on those teams, it it just makes you kind of realize you got to appreciate when teams are really good, even in the regular season, it may not be the end to end end result that that you want, but I mean, this, the sport, the sport we love, right. We love watching it. And um, it just kind of reminds you that when, when a team is good, Hey man, enjoy it, right. (laughs) Regular season class, whatever it is, enjoy it. Um, and, and you never know kind of what, what might happen, whether it's trades, injuries, bad luck, or this year, you know, a worldwide pandemic, which I don't think any of us were expecting when the season started, but, um, yeah, just makes you kind of appreciate it, uh, when you, when you have it. 
So I want to remind you guys about our friends at D1 Milwaukee, our very first local sponsor for Lockdown Bucks. D1 is the place for the athlete. You set the goal. We help you get there. All coaches are former D1 collegiate strength and conditioning coaches and athletes. They build science-based programs created specifically to improve athletic performance in a state-of-the-art facility. But given that times are a little bit uncertain right now, we want to move on to their summer camps that they have coming up for your kids. For 7 to 11-year-olds, they will focus on the fundamentals of athleticism. They will spend time each day developing running mechanics, working on balance and coordination, utilizing the fundamentals of movements. The coaches will create a fun, active environment for your young athlete to train in. And for 12 to 14-year-olds, they're going to give your athlete a competitive edge on their peers, focusing on linear speed and change of direction, along with progressions in strength training. Your athlete will develop extremely quickly with our coach's expert instruction. In order to play with the best, you need to train with the best. A reminder that D1 is located in the Mech 1 Pavilions right off I-43. If you want to get more information, you can hit them up at d1training.com. Keep those summer camps in mind. D1 is the place for the athlete. You set the goal. We help you get there. Yeah, so last week, you know, when I was trying to, to think and, and we were trying to think through what we could do to, to look back for the 2001 season, I, I, can, I can assure you that I, I sent emails and made contact with literally any, any person, any human that had anything to do with that team. And, and probably the last person I expected that I would be able to get on the podcast would be George Carl, but uh, I guess timing worked out and he came on. And it's interesting that you said, that there was, uh, like you mentioned, that stretch during the 2001-2002 season where they're playing really well. And I had that down because uh, I remember reading a story where, uh, and it was one of those wins, and the Bucks won the game. And there was a post-game press conference where George Carl was sort of unloaded a little bit. And he was like, we need to change. Things are not, things are not okay here. Things are not going well. And from there, it, things just blew up and everything turned to shit after that. And I remember reading that and and just being so interested about what the, the reasons could have been for that. And I think, you know, in some ways he, he went into that when he spoke about um, Anthony Mason and his opinion that how uh, confrontational he was not only to George, but also within the locker room. And clearly in his opinion, he was not a guy that, that the type of guy that Ray Allen wanted to play with. It was interesting to, to hear that, but uh, there were so many things that I had down that I, I would have liked to get to. And I've sort of enjoyed the last few days over the weekend just seeing people's reaction to this. And for me, this 2001 season, going back and watching all these games and, and reading all this stuff has been really enjoyable for me to, to think back because uh, I think most people know I only just really started watching basketball around this time. So even with the Ray Allen trade, like, I don't really have any emotional connection to that. I love Ray Allen, the player. He was the reason I, I, I loved the game and, and started to, to watch the game and follow the game as closely as I do. But I never had that emotional connection of the, of the trade. So I can easily talk to this about George Carlin and not really be pissed off about it. I mean, on, on paper, it's a disaster. But um, for so many other people uh, to hear their thoughts that they you know, didn't get through the podcast or they weren't able to listen or it, it provided no, uh, I guess, relief for, for their frustrations all this time afterwards was really interesting because you know, that's one of the things that, for me, I, I looked at and and found incredible was that he did go from being a hero uh, when you think to the standing ovations he had at the Bradley Center to becoming an enemy and and you know it's in some ways it's unfortunate because that was a really good run but in terms of the the team overachieving I think you're kind of right I think if you uh, before you take uh, this Bucks 
version into account with Giannis and Chris and Bledsoe and Brooke and all these guys, I, I think that it was easier to look at that 2001 Bucks team and go, well, that, was, that team was great. Like, what a, what a missed opportunity that was. And, and now you look at the, the depth of this Bucks team and uh, with the 2001 Bucks, I mean, you had three guys. And then you had a bunch of pretty good role players, guys that would scrap for you, guys that would, would try and play hard and, and keep uh, the whole team together. But uh, in comparison to other really great teams, it's not really close. And, and you know, even though we, we spoke last Monday about how the game has changed, you put the 2020 roster next to the 2001 roster purely from the, the standard of guys and where their ranking sits in the game. I mean, yeah, you, George might be onto something. That Bucks team probably needed something else if they were going to compete again. And, and I know they got off to that great start that they had. But there is some, you know, like there's, there's some, some real uh, basis to the fact that he thought that they needed an, another guy. And, and you look at Anthony Mason, obviously he had um, some stuff going on through his career before that. And he wasn't always a guy that was loved everywhere he went, but he was talented. Yeah, and he had been through, you know, uh, going back to kind of his previous previous stops, you know, he'd been involved in kind of big playoff series and battles and, and things like that, going back to all the way to his days with the Knicks. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I again, my memory, I mean, I, I wouldn't say you can't trust me for memories of game-to-game action back then, but um, I certainly saw the rationale for, for Mason, right? Because you've looked at, uh, you know, Ray and, and – Glenn and Sam being like more finesse uh, kind of offensive type players and Mason being that guy like, okay, he's going to give you some edge. Uh, You know, he was a guy that was super physical, but also um, had playmaking ability um, despite kind of being like a very, you know, unnatural sort of body type uh, being that like kind of bruiser. So, um, yeah, you know, again, in in theory, it, it, it isn't, shocking that um that you would look at that and say like, okay maybe that maybe that is the missing the missing piece and again it's not like and Charles Carl Charles Carl's not an idiot right like um <laughs> he's a smart guy like he's been around this game um been around the game for forever and had a ton of success and um I think again you know the idea that well they couldn't just stand pat and just expect that running it back would you know just uh, immediately like lead to like a, a bigger and better thing than the year before I think I think there's a lot of validity to that and that's one of the challenges but um and we talked about it last week though you know i think the, one of the recurring themes you know you look at the um things that we've seen for for the bucks in you know in the teams that have stood out for the success they've had and obviously this is very relative uh because you know <laughs> the the success is is not has not been uh, outrageously high success but um you know getting rid of scott williams uh in order to get the anthony mason uh trade happen that year obviously again you trade sort of that heart and soul guy wheels come off um you know you look at the 2009-10 team losing kind of some some key veteran guys principally like kurt yeah, thomas yeah. is a guy that jumps out jerry stackhouse is another guy uh, guys that, again, were not huge contributors statistically, but were, you know, Bogut, when you interviewed Bogut, he talk, talked about that, you know, losing for Thomas and, and what he provided in the locker room next year, you know, things immediately start to, to kind of go downhill. And, and again, the Bucks, you know, like you just look at the, around that era, that team, you know, trying to, you know, well, they couldn't get, they didn't draw fouls. They couldn't get to the free throw line. Okay. Go, go get Corey McGetty, right? <laughs> because Corey McGetty, the one thing he could do is draw fouls. Well, you know, again, it's, it's, it is ultimately a team sport. 
it is not, you know, baseball where you can just sort of plug in guys who do different things and, you know, the chemistry shouldn't matter as much. You know, this is such a chemistry driven sport, even if, um, that's maybe frustrating. Like as someone who loves analytics and stats and things like that, I mean, that's sort of the secret sauce is, is figuring out sometimes, sometimes the stuff just doesn't add up. Right. Um, especially defensively. Uh, and then, you know, you look back uh, to the kid era and the team that surprises everyone, you know, how much they relied on Zaza Pachulia and Jared Dudley. And then the following year they get rid of those guys and, I think, you know, there's, there's certainly an argument. I know it was made at the time that like, Hey, you know, they had younger players and um, you know, they felt like to, to really take a big leap longer term, they were going to have to start, you know, putting those guys in bigger spots, you know, like especially Dudley, obviously with Giannis and Jabari around, you know, making sure those guys were not getting, you know, blocked by a Jared Dudley type guy, whatever. But um, you know, again, I think we just see that, that uh, again, that team I think was certainly hurt by losing those guys in the locker room presence they had. And so, um, you know, probably not surprising, like, well, what's, what's allowed the Bucks to go from, you know, great to greater over the past year. Um, it's that they've kept, you know, really the, the, the kind of those key veteran guys that they got, um, you know, whether it was George Hill or Brooke Lopez, um, you know, guys that I think helped to really, um, put last year's team into that elite class, you know, guys that maybe aren't the big statistical guys, but guys that really changed the complexion of the team. Um, you know, they kept those guys and they didn't, they obviously didn't, didn't change all that much coming into this season. Obviously the Brogdon deal was the big one, but, um, you know, the consistency from last year to this year, actually adding more veteran guys, right. to the locker room rather than just kind of taking them away. Um, I don't, again, I, I, again, like there's limits to all this. Like I think the bucks, you know, you can only kind of have a bunch of old guys for so long. You got to also have younger guys kind of coming up in the ranks and kind of back for those guys as they age out. But um, you know, I think that's it's an interesting thing to look at and talking about the 2001 team certainly made me think a fair bit about that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was that was one sort of thing that I left um the conversation with George Carl thinking about because uh, this team last year with the Bucks it, it it is rare that a team gets clo- so close to that final step falls short you know, with, with obvious deficiencies that I think we saw uh, come out in that series, even though it was the, that Bucks team and Giannis' first real extended playoff run. And they really brought the, back the same team. And you don't often see that. And I think that there's no coincidence that uh, while John Horst wasn't the GM at the time, when you, when you talk about the Bucks losing guys like Zaza and, and Jared Dudley after that 2015 season, uh, the owners saw what happened there. And, and they always talk about the fact that uh, personality and locker room uh, presence is a big part of how they scout guys. And we've seen that anyone that they bring in and anyone that they trade for over the last two years, particularly since Bud has been around, has been the same kind of guy. Good player, sure. And talent obviously still is a big factor in any decision-making, but they haven't brought in anyone that that's a questionable uh, locker room guy, a questionable personality, even this season. I mean, you mentioned they lose Brockton, but they replaced him with Kyle Corver, a guy that's been in the league forever, works hard, known for that work ethic. And also Wesley Matthews, not only a local guy, but a guy that uh, has, has ground out to get where he is his entire career, overcome injuries, always been liked wherever he's gone. So yeah, I, I think that that's interesting. And I, I don't think you'll see some franchises that'll swing for the fences with that, with that guy, irrespective uh, of who it is. And, and they'll go for the, 
the the talent over anything, but I don't think the Bucks will, and I think they learned some lessons from that. Uh, more so, two thousand fifteen and two thousand one. I don't think they're basing any decision making on that team, but it is an interesting case study to see how those things can can really affect relationships and team chemistry because uh, that was really a double blow. You lose Scott Williams to bring in Anthony Mason, and and from what Carl sort of spoke about, that's when the relationship with Ray Allen really deteriorated because I know. There's been quite a few people that that believe or said or, or still believe that George Carl was trying to break up that team during 2001, even prior to 2001. Uh, he sort of denied that and said that everyone got along fine. The the, the stuff with Ray Allen really happened uh, once Anthony Mason came in, and, and Ray Allen wasn't happy. Ray and George were never really some uh, never really had that relationship where they spoke to each other. Ray ended up going to her call, and that's when uh, things things really unraveled. So. Like there was, as you said, I mean, I could have, I could have gone on for for another hour and a half, and it, it was hard. I had this sort of planned two or three days before, and I think I changed my game plan about six times in those days, trying to figure out how I could make the most of the time. But uh, hopefully, there was some insight from that anyway, because uh, it was fun for me. It was fun to to hear a guy with that much experience and the guy that was leading the leading the ship when when all that stuff went down, because uh, it's still incredible to me how much of a talking point that season is and, and what went down after that yeah it's, it's kind of interesting to think about as well i mean if you don't trade ray allen i mean what what do the bucks look like over the next few years yeah. right i mean um because the reality was i mean i think ray hit you know new heights in seattle um you know he became a bigger scorer i think became a better facilitator during that period you know kind of really um, blossomed, you know, had sort of the biggest statistical seasons of his career. Um, and then ends up going to Boston where obviously he, he sacrificed certainly. And, and, you know, from that point on never really was, uh, in the same kind of leading role. Right. So it was kind of in, in Milwaukee, it was kind of, you know, the co-leading man, if you will, with, with big dog and, and Sam, but never really kind of the, 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 the guy, uh, and then becomes that in Seattle. Um, but, you know, it's not like the Sonics when he was there, you know, had some had some stretch that, you know, you'd say, oh, wow, like, you know, they were going to win a championship or something like that. Right. Um, and I think that's just the reality. Like, I think as good as as Ray Allen was, um, you know, he was just never going to be, um, you know, in that in that same um, in that that's at that same level of uh, of, you know, impact as a. Uh, um, you know, as a, as like a Giannis now. Right. Um, I think, you know, Ray, you look at the statistics, I mean, a lot of similarities like between him and, and like Chris Middleton. Right. And again, they played differently. Uh, I think Ray had, you know, more, expo- more explosive element to his game than Chris. Um, but uh, kind of in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, it was, uh, it was just sort of one of those things. I, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't think the Bucks like win a championship if they don't, if they don't trade. Uh, Ray Allen or something like that, right? Um, and you know, you look at uh, you look at those Sonics teams. They had one really good year, ironically, I think, where they won 52 games, just like the uh, just like the the Bucks. And I think they went to the the West Finals. And other than that, you know, the year after that was 0405, and then the next year, um, I think they won like uh, back to yeah 35 games the year after that, 31 games the year after that, uh, 20 games the year after that, and they kind of bottom out and uh, you know that that was at that point they that was when they had gotten Durant, so that was the I guess the year the the year before the year before they had traded Ray. So yeah, I don't know. It's sort of those things like 
obviously the rate trade will always go down as like one of those terrible moves. But, you know, again, I think it also sort of papers over that the Bucks were probably like heading towards that like sort of treadmill of mediocrity type thing yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. You know, I mean, obviously they had some decent seasons there. Uh, could Ray and, and Michael Red have coexisted right? And, and obviously Red was, you know, basically, a, I guess, a, a rookie who basically didn't play on, on the a one team. And then over the next couple of years, you know, started to, to actually kind of find a, a way and find a role uh, as the Bucks, you know, kind of moved away from it as that, that 2001 season kind of became kind of more distant in the rear view. But um, yeah, I mean, that could have been a really interesting team. But again, it's like, again, like, do I look back and feel like, oh, man, there was that championship, that championship opportunity the Bucks lost because of the of trading Ray Allen in 03 or whatever it was? Eh, you know. It was a bad trade, but but again, um, I think you look at the Bucks and the infrastructure. I think there were a lot of reasons why you know things kind of went downhill, and it and it wasn't purely that trade. Let me let me just say that. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only other thing that I'll, that I'll leave this with that I'll always sort of consider is um, we know that it went downhill quickly as soon as Gary Payton comes in. He wasn't happy to be here, but I, I guess if the Bucks were going to uh, this fire part ways, whatever you want to say, with George Carl so soon after anyway and eat the final year of his contract. It's like, why don't you just write out the season and, and do that anyway? And, you know, probably the Gary Payton coming in and how poorly that worked out contributed to that and maybe they weren't ready for that and they were hoping that something was going to happen. But as you said, I mean, this ended up, you know, fast-tracking, I guess, the Bucks dropping out. And it was only a couple of years later. Yes, they got a, a bit of luck with this, but they got Andrew Bogut number one. And that was their chance to reset. And unfortunately, as you sort of already pointed to, uh, injuries cut that short uh, as well. So, you know, I mean, they, they had a number one pick a couple of years after that. I mean, that was their, their chance to really, uh, you know, make that extended run and, and spike back up in the standings. It never really happened for, for a number of reasons. But, you know, it's always going to be something that you're going to look back and, and wonder what if or, or what could have happened with that trade. But the only other thing we have from, from 2001 season coming up, I did catch up with Darvin Ham yesterday. Uh, originally, I was hoping to, to get him earlier in the week and talk more about 2001. And Frank, I know before we started recording here, you mentioned that he is you know, an interesting character in terms of connecting that those bucks and, and these bucks here. So uh, we touched on Game 7 briefly and the fact that he started, but a lot of the chat was about uh, his role with the Bucks right now, relationship with Bud, relationship with Giannis and Chris, and uh, and a dunk contest review for, for Pat Connaughton. So it was fun. It was fun. That, that'll come out tomorrow. But uh, any final thoughts on the 2001 week that we had or, or that era of Bucks basketball before we completely move on? No, I mean, again, you just... Um, it, it got me thinking, you know, again, kind of what I said at the top, just, uh, you know, that with, with that team. I mean, you, you just hope people appreciated it for what it was at the time. And, um, you know, right now, again, you, you feel like the bucks are, um, I mean, what we've been seeing from them night to night over the past two years, it's just, you know, literally historically great type type play. And, um, I hope people have appreciated it. You know, hopefully if you have time, you can rewatch games from this year, last year, whatever. Um, and hopefully obviously we get, uh, some semblance of a season back, uh, this year. Um, because again, you just never know, uh, you just never know what can happen, you know, in sports, it's, uh, careers are, don't go on forever. Typically, uh, <laughs> these guys are human, uh, and, um, as fans, you know, you hope you just appreciate, you can just appreciate these things for what they are. And, um, certainly we'll never, we'll never realize that more than, than right now when, 
uh, you know, we're all, we're all just hoping to, to get the game back sooner rather than later. So um, yeah, I guess uh, thankful what we've gotten to watch, you know, uh, th- that a one team and thinking about it's made me really appreciate what we've had here over the last year and a half and, and makes me want to just appreciate that sort of as it, as it's happening even more. So hopefully we get to do that rest of this year and next year and for years to come with versions of this current team playing at a really high level. But um, you know, again, this is, this is, you know, the, the way you appreciate sports is different for everybody, but hopefully people are enjoying it while, while we can. Hey, so we had a couple other things we were going to touch on. We've already gone longer than the allotted half an hour. We are supposed to get for this podcast. So never, it's never half an hour. I mean, that's <laughs> not this, when I'm around. <laughs> you, we, we, we have never kept it to half an hour. So, uh, I, I am going to, I'm going to cut it right here though, because, uh, you know, we've got plenty of days to fill. We do, and we are aware that we are going to touch on some draft stuff. We want to get talking about that. That is right now, regardless and irrespective of what's going to happen with the NBA season, the draft is still uh, something that's current and noteworthy. And the Bucs have a pretty good pick. And this is, this is one of the interesting things. When you look at the standings that they currently stand, I, I believe the Bucs would have picked 19 from the Indiana Pacers if things were to halt right now. We'll see. But there's plenty of interesting prospects around uh, that area that the Bucks might look to add. And the other thing is, Frank, I know we discussed it, uh, maybe talking about the awards, because you know we've seen 60-plus games of a regular season. I would imagine if things don't uh, move forward and, and nothing happens over the next couple of months, then they're still going to give the awards out. I, I don't see why they wouldn't do that. So there's plenty still to talk about. Like I said, Darvin Ham tomorrow as well. Take a, a, Keep an eye out for that one, I should say. That was a fun chat. But Frank, it was good to have you back. Yeah, and um, we will not be spending much time talking about the NBA horse competition, <laughs> which took place on Sunday, which I just literally had no interest. I, I, I remember seeing, uh, did you see years ago, there, there was like a horse thing outdoors, and I forget what year it was, but I know Kevin Durant was in it. I think it was, it was like an outdoor thing. There. Yeah, and, and so it was like a young Durant was in it, and I thought that was really boring. Um, and that was, you know, not be a you know people's driveways uh as they did today which i uh, yeah i just uh, nothing makes me more want basketball back than seeing the kind of sad (laughs) versions that that they're trying to give us um while we await uh sort of the pandemic to uh allow something you know more closely resembling basketball to come back so uh if people are waiting for the big uh, locked on bucks horse review uh which I'm guessing there are not any of those of you out there, but uh, just in case you were looking for that, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that we're not going to give you that this week. So hopefully we'll have more interesting stuff to, to talk about. Yeah, listen, I mean, if you saw the quality of that of the video of that horse tournament, I struggle to watch anything where the, the quality is not good. So if you think I'm going to watch washed up Paul Pierce trying to go toe-to-toe with Zach Levine, uh, on reverse layups, touching the backboard, then then you're wrong. I did not watch it. I had no interest in watching that. And from what I saw on Twitter, the reviews were not great. So I appreciate they're trying to do fun things for sure. But uh, that one did not get my interest. But Frank, like I said, plenty to talk through for the rest of the week. So we will be back. And uh, But for now, we're going to leave it there. So for Frank and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.